Hey, podcast listener. Do you love talking about movies, music, TV, comics, and games? Then you should be listening to The Great Pop Culture Debate, back in bigger than ever for season nine. This season, the panelists discuss the best James Bond film, the best Elton John single, the best Nickelodeon original series, the best Batman villain, and so much more. Find the show wherever you listen to podcasts or head to greatpopculturedebate.com. More than 100 topics are already available. Subscribe today. Hello, I'm George Cup, And I'm Callum Gurr. And you're about to listen to the podcast version of To Be Discussed with Cup and Gurr. Please note that this is a podcast, so it's not a live broadcast. So please do not try to vote in any of the polls or send in messages to any of our discussions, as your message will not be registered, but you may still be charged. Also, please note that not all of the opinions expressed in this podcast are our actual opinions but may be expressed to create a better discussion. Anyway, enjoy the podcast and don't miss our live broadcast every Sunday on Wizard Radio Station. Good evening. Firstly, I would just like to say a belated 22nd birthday to my fellow co-host, Mr. Gurr. Um, but first, this is To Be Discussed with Cup and Gurr, a show that proves that different political opinions do not have to end in feuds and the breakdown of friendships. My name is George Cup, and I'll be joined by my co-host and political opposite, Callum Gurr. Good evening, everybody. Thank you very much for the birthday wishes, George. Uh, and welcome, as George said, to, to be discussed. Uh, George is a hardline Brexiteer and true blue Conservative, whereas I'm a Lib Dem and Ramona. But despite these different standpoints, we are still rather good friends. Tonight, we'll be discussing the following. Would you describe the UK as corrupt? If there was a general election before October, what do you think our government would look like? And lastly, do you think you will own your own house before the age of 25? With each of these discussions being accompanied by polls, which you have the chance to vote on at wizardradio.co.uk forward slash listen. And these discussions will be open until the end of the song break between each topic. But first, last week, we asked you to send us in your political questions that you'd like answering. Um, so let's jump right into our first question. Our, our first question comes from Taylor. And they say, do you think the current state of negativity and division in politics will be long lasting or do you think it will end? Well, it's, it's I mean, it's a very uh, it's, it's quite a difficult question from Taylor there. <laughs> um, I think personally, it, it will come to an end. I think that after we've had the Brexit vote, or not the vote, rather, sorry, the uh, Brexit deal or no deal or whatever it is that goes through. <laughs> I think uh, years following that, whatever the outcome is, I think we will kind of see a, a more of a refreshing change to our politics, hopefully getting some kind of 
figures that don't s- seek to kind of stoke division will become uh, kind of more leading figures in, in politics. Uh, and I think that when, when this happens, we will start to actually address the issues that underpin Brexit and kind of the rise of populism in general. Uh, and, and I think, you know, those issues are people who are just getting by and have lost their kind of faith in politics. And, and I think there's a, there's a whole range of measures that we can do to kind of alleviate them. Some of those, I think, will actually become more clear as we move forward. But, you know, one, one example that I would probably give would be universal basic income or some kind of new social settlement to help um, displaced workers, um, especially from automation. And I think that people will start to kind of see maybe the more of the underlying factors but behind these things rather than kind of immigration which has been what a lot of people have blamed um currently i mean what about you george are you optimistic i like to think you generally are so do you do you think this kind of negativity that we're seeing in politics will evaporate I I hope so. I mean, like you say, at the moment we are in kind of special measures as it is as a political field um, in this country. Uh, there there is a very strange kind of element going on where it is seems to be Remainers versus Brexiteers. Um, but also at the moment, I think which hasn't really happened in a very long time in this country is is the the very far left um, against the quite far right as well. We've seen that going on, um, yeah. and and I and I sometimes feel like. The level of MPs' respect between each other has dropped a little bit. I feel like there is quite a lot of attacking even between MPs. Um, and if they're doing it, I think a lot of people feel like, well, why can't we do it? Um, and due to the rise of social media as well, I think because you don't have to do anything face to face. Oh, social media, you can be very bitter and quite um, harsh on there. I think that's why we've also seen this rise in bitterness and, and division. But I think with areas like what Callum and I, as we said in the introduction, are trying to promote is that you can have completely different political opinions and disagree on on political points, but that doesn't mean you have to have a breakdown in friendship. Just because you have two vastly different points does not mean you then have to fall out about it and not speak to each other for a week. I mean, Callum and I, sometimes off the radio, will have a very quite um, big political discussion really vastly disagree upon that point but we might be in a mood with each other for about i don't know five minutes or so but then we get over it and and i think that's what it's about we've got to see the promotion more of being better when it comes to debating because i feel at the moment as well when people are debating politics we see it turn into a personal attack rather than keeping to the political facts and that's not right as soon as someone goes into a personal attack then they've lost that political debate there is no way they can claim that they've won that because it, it's just wrong um so but but with the hopefully the agreement around brexit hopefully happening soon um and and a move on in politics i do believe that there will be um uh, more uh, unity in the country and in politics but also i th- i do believe that we will see unity when we see potentially the conservative party become more center right and ah maybe even labor coming more centralist but who knows yeah yeah i mean i, I think it's a good point you bring up as well about people kind of um who, who disagree politically but getting on well outside of it i think one of the things that 
probably I've got better at is is disagreeing with you, George, in a sense, as in I don't think with me and you get in a, a kind of mood with each other if we disagree now. So I think it's it's almost just about, you know, confronting your demons, I suppose, in a sense, and, and actually talking to people on the opposite side of the spectrum. And and I think people will see that and, and that, in a sense, will be a way um, of breaking down this current state of negativity and division in politics as well if people kind of get out of that social media bubble which mm. a lot of people live in uh moving on to the next question is from lewis lewis says uh when do you think the next general election will take place in the uk george when do you think it will happen <laughs> um i hope not until 2022 when the next one is supposed to take place uh honestly there is so much that that um, really does depend on when the next general election will take place. Everything from who the next Tory um, leader will be and um, as such who the next prime minister will be um, and whether Brexit happens or not, whether Brexit happens on the 31st of October and what circumstances it is delivered upon. Um, I do believe if if Boris Johnson got in to be our next prime minister, it would be quite likely that we have a general election probably just after October, when it proves that he can't actually deliver Brexit as he's trying to make out he can. Um, and and I think that we would see Tory MPs possibly even uh, back a no-confidence vote um, if Jeremy Corbyn called one, because people there are some Tory MPs that don't have the confidence in Boris Johnson as as the next prime minister or leader um and like I said as well there is a lot of uh questions being raised around the whole Brexit and how we leave whether it get, there is another extension whether we come out on agreement or whether it's no deal we come out with um and around that I do believe um the Labour Party would definitely try and push for a um no confidence vote or in the other circumstances, if Boris Johnson's felt that if he came out with no deal in October, um, the polls, I'm sure, would probably go in the favour of uh, Boris Johnson or even Jeremy Hunt if he decides to come out and no deal. Um, and they might then say, let's have a general election and, and try and get a actual majority in um, the House of Commons. How? Do, what do you think, though, uh, Callum? When do you when do you foresee the next uh, general election? Uh, well, I don't think it'll be as long as 2022. Um, <laughs> I, I think realistically, we're probably looking at a, a 2020 election, yeah. uh, as you say, uh, probably after um, Boris Johnson can't get his Brexit deal through or no deal probably even through. Um, although it is the legal default, I think that there'll be quite a lot of appetite in within the House of Commons just because of the parliamentary arithmetic. Um, I think there'll be a lot of appetite to, to prevent a no deal um, by possibly even rescinding Article 50 temporarily, um, probably following straight immediately after with a general election to see where the country is at at that point. And I think, as you as you say, there's a, there's a massive risk of a, a no-confidence vote in a Boris Johnson government. Um, but I, I do think, and, and it kind of brings us on um, to uh, topic three later on, but I do think that in that general election, the Conservatives would win it, unfortunately. Um, so... It's, it's not the most hopeful I've been. I mean, George, just to pick at your answer a little bit. So, so you said um, that you that you hope it won't be until 2022. But when do you actually think it will be? So you think it will be kind of straight after the uh, uh, after October? 
I think if, um, if if Jeremy Hunt's in, then I don't think we will have a general election anytime soon. If Boris Johnson's in, I, I believe that we'll probably have one um, announced in October for it to be fought probably around January, February time. Okay, interesting, interesting. Yeah. Um, right, so our final question of this evening comes from Bradley. And he says, do you think the NHS will still exist in 50 years, Callum? Uh, yes, I, I do think the NHS will still exist because I think with the NHS, despite all of its problems, I think the principle that underpin it, you know, um, healthcare free at the point of delivery is the correct one. And it's something that the vast majority of this country want. And actually, I think in a sense that being overly critical of the NHS to the point where you say you want to to privatise it or scrap it entirely that's seen as more controversial in this country than being racist or homophobic, I genuinely do believe. Um, so so I just think it's impossible that the NHS will not exist with that principle of being free at the point of delivery in 50 years' time, even if, you know, there is a, a kind of significant minority of people that are now normally who are mega rich that uh, are, are maybe a little bit opposed to the idea of the NHS. What about you, George? Um, well, I mean, for your and my sake, I, I do hope it is because, you know, that'll be 2069 then and you, I will be uh, 71 and you'll be 72. So it, yeah. I, 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 hope, I hope it will still be around. But no, I, I do definitely believe it will still be around. But I, I, I must say, I don't think it will be in the realm that we know it today. I think there will be a lot of reform in that 50 oh, yeah. year period um and, and, and hopefully for the better as well i mean because obviously in that 50 years uh i can i can very much doubt it will be a tory government for the next 50 years so uh we will <laughs> see uh different policies coming from different governments and and i think that will mean the nhs will change and change in different ways but as the core value of the nhs i do think it will um, still be there in 50 years time for everyone's benefit as well um, right. OK, so uh, remember, we will be announcing what the question will be for you to send in your opinions on at the end of tonight's show. So make sure you're ready for that, for the chance to be featured in this segment of next week's show. Um, we've reached the time for our first break. So we'll be back very soon. Hello and welcome back to To Be Discussed. Right, time to move on to our second topic of this evening. And we are asking the question, would you describe the UK as corrupt? So Roberto Saviano, an Italian mafia expert, has recently claimed the UK is the global centre for corruption. Saviano has been under police protection since exposing the activities of Naples crime syndicate, the Camorra, said on the UK's corruption, it's not the bureaucracy, it's not the police, it's not the politics, but what is corrupt is the financial capital. Campaign group Transparency International have backed his claim, suggesting it's absolutely true that the UK is one of the leading financial centres for the laundering of corrupt money from overseas, whether through the property market, um, luxury goods or other sectors. The campaign group define corruption as the abuse of entrusted power for private gain. 
George, where do you stand on this? Do you think the UK can be described as corrupt? And if so, what kind of corruption are we looking at? Um, it's 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 a very interesting, quite quite a. Uh, hard question because in the face of it I, I when I was really thinking about this I I never would if someone came up to me and said oh how would you describe the UK you corrupt would never be the first word that pops yeah. into my head and I think maybe because I'm quite, quite um, a traditionalist quite patriotic and, and I try and be very proud of my country maybe I um, subconsciously turn a blind eye on the how corrupt the uk can be and and i hold my hands up to that uh, but i but also i feel like because it, it is about the uk sometimes there isn't enough um people shouting about it there isn't enough news going on about it and people aren't made aware of maybe the corruption that is going on within the united kingdom um massively i if if i was to say that the uk was corrupt i think an area of that is in um in the banking and the financial area um i mean when the banks got bailed out um, by the labor government there was massive corruption around that um and, and also as as you quite really said we are it's, this is, I think, why our country is so um, good for banks is because they can get away with a lot of loopholes. There are quite a few loopholes that banks can can jump through to make sure that they um, don't have to spend as much money for their clients and, and things like that. But also, as much as um, you just said in the introduction that it isn't about politics, I do believe that in some elements, our country is corrupt in in our politics. I, I think that Boris Johnson, if he became prime minister, would be quite a corrupt prime minister. Um, I, I feel that he, in terms of, if we look at Donald Trump, I think he's quite a, a corrupt president. So I, I think there are definitely elements of, of um, the UK being corrupt, but I wouldn't describe it as a whole as being corrupt. But what, what, what do you think, Callum? Yeah, I think it's an interesting one because I think it depends upon whether oh, if we're talking about kind of actually breaking the law for financial gain, I don't think there is, luckily, mm. too much of that going on in the UK. Obviously, it is a problem, but I think generally um, the kind of corruption we're seeing in the UK is more of a, a moral corruption where, yes, it operates within the realms of what the law says is OK, but it might not necessarily be if we're thinking about things in terms of morals and ethics and right and wrong, then it might not necessarily be right. And I think a good example of this would be uh, the expenses scandal. Uh, MPs, by and large, there was very little convictions because MPs weren't really doing anything that was outside of what was legal. But you could say some of the expenses claims that they were making were morally dubious and i think probably that's more of the problem that the uk has so so i think i i wouldn't as you as you say george i wouldn't describe the uk as corrupt but I w i'm not under any kind of illusions that it's squeaky clean i think aside from the expenses candle uh, scandal rather uh looking in the realm of politics i think there's very opaque lobbying practices so it's 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 hard to know um, what kind of influences uh, private companies um, are having on 
our politics. And I think that's something that that could change to to ensure that we're becoming a fairer country. But I also think within even the realm of sport, there's a lot of corruption in terms of match fixing, uh, spot fixing, just general cheating and irregular payments, particularly in football with um, the, the last example I give there. Um, so, so I think it, it's more complicated than to just say, yes, the UK is corrupt. But of course, it's not 100% squeaky clean um, either. I mean, do you agree with that assessment, George, in terms of it's more of a moral corruption than anything kind of outside of the law? Yeah, and I, I think you're absolutely right. And and I do believe that's why we don't see as much um, being shouted about in the news and it doesn't make the headlines on newspapers um, because it is a moral kind of corruption. But, but do you think there is any way that a country can escape corruption? Because if we look at every single country in the world, I don't believe there is any corruption. Uh, sorry, I don't believe there is any country that can't say there is an element of corruption. I mean, I'm sure North Korea would probably try and say that they don't have corruption, but that's North <laughs> Korea. Um, but I, I think it's just a something, unfortunately, that happens in life because people try and um, morally make gains and that would be um, seen as corruption. So do you, do you think there is any way of um, stamping corruption out in the United Kingdom? Um, but also, do you think it's unfair of us just to kind of point the finger at the UK? Um so on on your first question of can we kind of stamp it out, uh, I, I don't think so, no. Uh, I, because I think even if we got to the point where by today's kind of definition of what we would consider corrupt practices, even if we got to the point where none of that happened, I think then the goalposts change a little bit and, and we, we broaden our definition of corruption because we're always trying to improve as a, as a society because that's, that's kind of human nature. So so I think on that basis, we, we can't really ever completely get rid of corruption but i think also you're right george in that we can't just focus on the uk because we we have to admit that other countries uh, i mean not saying the uk doesn't have any problems with it but other countries do have it worse you know on the uh, corruption index the last one being in december 2018 um we got 80% um, in that corruption index. So basically a figure of 100% means that the people of the UK perceive our country as being very clean, so free of corruption. So that means that largely people see that we're not particularly corrupt. And if we compare that to other countries, I mean, Russia scored 28%, Brazil 35%, and, and even kind of closer countries to us, you would say politically, like France scored 72%, so worse than us, and the United States 71%. Of course, that doesn't make us perfect. We weren't like the best performing country or anything like that. Um, but you, you are right to say that maybe we should be pointing the finger sometimes somewhere else, or, or at least seeing as well the kind of links there is between corrupt practices across all nations and how um people go to to kind of dodge their taxes in one in another country when really they probably should be paying them where they do most of their business and, and stuff like that and um, i think you could describe that as corrupt as well i mean do you think we're we're wrong to be um uh focusing on just the uk and also your other question in terms do you think we can stamp out corruption um 
well, I, firstly, I, I think that in terms um, of us pointing the finger elsewhere, I think it's a very kind of British thing to to make it a self problem and trying to point the finger at ourselves and make the, the problem about ourselves and, and solve it from um, our own soil, as it were. Um, and, and I think because of that, it, it, we do kind of put these blinkers on, which doesn't allow us to see outside of the UK in terms of other corruption that is going on. Um, but I, I do think, like you say, we we should maybe, as much as we are maybe saying there are corrupt elements of the United Kingdom, there we should be um, celebrating the fact that we are rating quite high on um, these corruption scores, saying where the population is saying that we aren't um, that corrupt, especially um, against some of our political neighbours. Um, and do I think it can be stamped out? No, I don't. I think there is always going to be corruption, no matter what you, no matter what laws or um, moral grounds are in place i believe someone will always try and one better themselves and do something morally wrong uh, just to make a gain somewhere um and people are also very clever when it comes to laws they they read them in detail and find loopholes in them and and break not so much break the laws but um because it's a loophole but they they kind of dodge the laws that come into place and even if you bring new ones in it, it's like a constant cycle unfortunately you might catch some out but there are still some ahead of the game yeah. um but but i i do think it, it, it corruption is something that is very very hard to stamp out and i don't believe it ever will be stamped out at, at all um but but do you think it's it's something that we are we see more under certain governments do you think we see more corruption as the united kingdom under conservatives labor possibly lib dems uh, <laughs> um I, I wouldn't like to say so i don't think um i mean i because i i think that um different governments will have different priorities like i think we'd see yeah. much less kind of financial corruption under labor probably um just because i think they go much more heavy-handed against the banks but then I'm sure there's some other things that the Conservatives will be good at, at stamping out in terms of corruption. I mean, you could make an argument that the, the trade unions back in the day were slightly corrupt. Uh, and obviously, Margaret Thatcher and then the, the governments that have followed have, have kind of eased those issues a little bit. I mean, just before we go to the song, Great George, how do you think this can go? Do you think people are going to think the UK is corrupt? Um, I don't think they will um i think it will be 30 percent yes it is corrupt and 70 percent no it's not what do you think yeah that was to be honest about what i was gonna say as well i, d I don't think people will think the uk is corrupt but it's not going to be like a really heavy result um for for the no Right then, time to go on to our second song break of this evening. But remember to vote on this poll. Would you describe the UK as corrupt? And you can do that at wizardradio.co.uk forward slash listen. And we'll be back very soon. Hello and welcome back. So before the break, we asked the question, would you describe the UK as corrupt? And you guys have been voting away. So 37% of you said yes, you would describe the UK as corrupt compared to 63% of you that said no, you wouldn't. So George, we were roughly there in terms of our, our guessing there. We were. We actually, I think we finally got one right in a way. Yeah, I think we did first time. Pat on the back for us. Yeah, crazy. 
Uh, right. <laughs> so let's move on to our third discussion of this evening. And we're asking if there was a general election before October, what do you think our government would look like? So the chance of general elections are is on uh, is always looming. The UK will have a new prime minister in around a month's time. And this means that the threat of a general election might be even higher. But we've asked you guys before who you would vote for this time around. We want to uh, know what the outcome of the general election will be from these options. A Labour majority, a Conservative majority, a Brexit party majority, a Labour-led coalition, a Conservative-led coalition, or other callum what do you think uh well uh, i mean tough tough options because i don't want any of them really <laughs> well other i suppose i want lib dem majority sounds brilliant uh, <laughs> uh i i think personally that we would return a some kind of conservative government uh, I'm I'm heading towards a majority, only a slim majority, uh, and and I tell you for why because I think that um, we would see in this scenario, um, we would see that um, Boris Johnson is highly likely to be the next Conservative Party leader, so I think he would manage to outflank the the Brexit Party and kind of ensure that they're not losing the votes to the Brexit party, um, which has seen really the fall in the polls for the Conservatives. Uh, and I think the more moderate minded people who maybe are a bit uncomfortable by Brexit or at least by the Brexit party and a kind of rightward shift of the Conservatives would hold their nose and vote Conservative simply to prevent Jeremy Corbyn uh, guessing in and potentially threatening the union and things like that. So I think people who may be otherwise um, would be inclined to shift votes towards the uh, towards like the Lib Dems or or Change UK if they're still a thing and actually fight the election. Um, I, I think that these people would end up vote, holding their nose and voting Conservative just because of that fear of Corbyn. Um, uh, what about you, George? Where, where do you think what what would happen during a general election? Well, I wish I could sit here confidently and say um, a conservative majority, but unfortunately, I, I can't sit here and say conservative majority at all. Um, I think depending on who un or who the conservative leader will be, it, it really, really does depend. I yeah. As much as I don't want um, Boris Johnson to be our next prime minister, I think he possibly might be. Um, and if that is the case, then. I don't. I genuinely don't believe we, that the Conservatives would have a majority. I think we, it, that it would be a Conservative-led coalition with the Brexit Party. I think we might be surprised if there was a general election how well the Brexit Party does in terms. I don't think they would get amazing amounts of seats, but I do believe they would make some uh, inroads in the seats where there are uh, the constituencies that voted leave, but they've yeah. got Remainer MPs. Um, I mean, do you think though that the Brexit Party wouldn't they struggle because they haven't got any kind of get out of vote infrastructure or not a particularly great one, which is okay for a European election, which a lot of people see it as more of a protest vote. But in a general election, you really need, especially under first past the post, you need some kind of get out of vote infrastructure, um, trying to get people to actually go out and vote for them and and to ensure that enough people in a constituency will, will vote for them to actually get them a seat. Do you not think they'd really struggle because they don't have that infrastructure? 
I feel like uh, if Boris Johnson was the next Conservative leader, he would do a pact with Nigel Farage to say, in some of these leave areas, we won't stand um, and we will we will help we will leave you to campaign there. Um, and I feel like that wouldn't bother them that uh, they need to get people out to vote because the Conservative members majority would probably go out to vote for the Brexit party if the Conservatives right. didn't stand in those areas. Um, I, I, I think it's very unlikely that we would ever see a Brexit uh, majority. I, I hope there really isn't. But, but also, I, most likely for me, in if it wasn't a Conservative-led coalition, I do believe there would be a Labour-led coalition. I mean, if we look at the polls right now, uh, Labour on 27%, Conservatives on 23%, Brexit's on 18%, the Lib Dems on 14%, Greens on 5%, Change UK are on 2%, and UKIP are on 2% as well. Um, and I and I do think that, and I know Canham's going to come back at me from this point, but I do think that if Labour turn around and say, in this next, if there was a general election before October, and they say, look, we're going to be the party of Remain, and we are the party for the second referendum, I do believe that they would happily try and get into a coalition with the Lib Dems and even the SNP. What do you think? I think that requires a seismic change in, in Labour policy for them well, to suddenly become overtly remain. Um, it's, just, I, it's just about getting rid of Jeremy Corbyn. It's not policy. <laughs> I, I mean, if, um, if, if they were to do that, I think... Uh, the Lib Dems would be more inclined uh, or more sympathetic to kind of hearing them out about a coalition or at least confidence and supply. Um, however, I think probably a, a real big sticking point on that would be, um, uh, well, A, electoral reform, but also Corbyn himself. If, if Corbyn's still the leader, I think we'd find it very, very difficult Um to to go into a coalition with Corbyn, partly because of how vehemently anti-Lib Dem Corbyn is. Uh, and I, I, I don't think that him or his party members would really want to get in bed with, um, wow. quote, yellow Tories. So I think that makes it a lot harder for, for that scenario to wash. I think you are right, though. SNP is a, is a completely different ballgame. Uh, I think SNP's big kind of negotiating piece would be the other than a second referendum on the um, on the Brexit vote. Mm-hmm. It, it as an alternative to that would probably be um, a, re- a referendum on independence again, so a second referendum on that. And I think probably uh, I can see Labour more likely backing a second independence referendum for Scotland than a second referendum for Brexit. Um, just because I feel that uh, Corbyn has he's historically been fairly pro um, kind of not necessarily within the UK context, but he's always been pro kind of self-determination for for minorities within nations. And also he's always been very, very passionately Eurosceptic up until the European referendum of June 2016. Um, so so I think based upon that, I actually think if Corbyn's a leader, that is the more likely scenario. I mean, do you think that could happen, George? Um, yeah, no, absolutely. I, I, I really, really do. <laughs> it it scares me quite a bit. Um, not just the fact that the Labour government would uh, rip this country apart, quite literally, with allowing Scotland to go, but we would uh, be bankrupt within a year. Um, so, <laughs> if little, little kind of 
spin on the question. If we yeah. were asking this question um, with uh, not first past the post system, which we currently have as our electoral system, um, but uh, you have to. What's what's the one we use for the EU, Callum? Uh, the haunt. <laughs> a, a proportional system, yeah. Proportional system. If this was a proportional system, what would your answer be then? Uh, <laughs> good question. I think it would be. Uh, it would be a conservative-led coalition again. Right. I think, um, but with much more of an equal footing between them and the Brexit party, because then the kind of get out the vote um, infrastructure is much less important. But I still think that because the election will be about more than Brexit, then I think the Brexit party wouldn't do as well as they've done in the European elections. What about you, George? How do you think that scenario would play out? Oh, I, I definitely think we would see then we would see a Conservative-led um, coalition. I think we'd, the Brexit Party would do incredibly well in that situation. But then again, I would say the Lib Dems would do incredibly well as well. Um, what <laughs> what do you think the likelihoods are that um, we go for the other option and the Lib Dems are going to be the uh, party in power, Callum? <laughs> as in, um, you, you mean a, a Lib Dem majority government? A Lib Dem majority government of over 100 seats. <laughs> um yeah no definitely not I, I, unfortunately <laughs> i don't i don't think we'll be seeing that anytime soon unfortunately i mean george you've talked a lot uh, in the past about wanting to move the conservatives more towards the center ground so does that leave you yearning actually for a coalition again with the lib dems or would you would you not <laughs> want that I, in uh, in the Lib Dems' current form, I would definitely, definitely not want that. If they, if they, if it was under Nick Clegg again, uh, I would wouldn't be that against it. But in their current um, form right now, I wouldn't exactly call them the most centralist party. They're more of a left central party. Um, I would definitely stay far away, and I would not say we should be taking them under our wing to create a coalition government, even if it means beating Labour. I wouldn't do it. Okay, fair enough. Uh, and which of these scenarios most scares you then? Is it the Labour majority? <laughs> God, I mean, if it was the Labour majority, I would be packing my bags and flying off to some country elsewhere where I wouldn't have to see Jeremy Corbyn at the um, dispatch box, people calling him Prime Minister. God, it would be awful, absolutely awful. <laughs> I would see a, a no confident vote in that government within a year. Um, and hopefully the only benefit of that is I think we would then see a Margaret Thatcher style um, landslide in the Conservatives when people realise what an absolute disastrous Labour government um, it would be. What, what, what most scares you, though? Uh, a Brexit party majority would scare me because... I think the Brexit party would be so hellbent on just Brexit and then would be then they'd soon realise that most of their probably the, the MPs that they would have would have nothing in common because they have some people who are really left wing. They've had like people that used to stand for the Communist Party, at least in the European elections. But then they also have people that, that um, used to be, you know, from the fairly right in terms of UKIP obviously with Farage and some of his cronies joining as well so so I, I feel like if they actually became a government that would be really scary because they wouldn't know what to do um, and, and so I think it's similarly we'd probably see a no confidence vote um, fairly soon after that in that government too. 
Wow. Well, I mean, I'm amazed it doesn't scare you more than the Labour government because, I mean, let's say, let's just be honest, the Labour government wouldn't have much clue either. Um, <laughs> right. So, Callum, what do you, who do you think or what do you think will come out on top? Um, God, uh, I think a Conservative-led coalition will come out on top. What about you? I think a Labour-led coalition will come out on top. Interesting. We shall see. Yeah, being optimistic as always. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> right. So remember to vote if uh, on this question, if there was a general election before October, what do you think our government would look like? And remember, the options are a Labour majority, a Conservative majority, a Brexit party majority, a Labour led coalition, a Conservative led coalition or other. And you can vote on that over on uh, wizardradio.co.uk forward slash system. We'll be back before you even know it. So before that break, we asked the question, if there was a general election before October, what do you think our government would look like? So you guys have been voting away and the results have just come in and uh, they are as follows. Um, a Conservative majority got 27%, a Labour majority got 24%, a Brexit party majority got 1%, a Labour-led coalition got 21%, a Conservative-led coalition got 25%, and other got 2%. Wow. I mean, I, that is crazy, actually. What, what are your thoughts, Callum? Yeah, I'm very, very surprised by how many people think there's going to be a Conservative majority. I mean, as, as I did kind of argue for that one i'm i'm inclined to think i'm that convincing george to be honest i mean do you think that's the case no i i don't think that's the case i just think people uh like the conservative party <laughs> oh god <laughs> no we're, we're both wrong i think that's the problem here uh right now time to move on to our fourth discussion of this evening and we're asking do you think you will own your own house before the age of 25. So in recent years, there has been a rise in the number of young people with no desire to own their own home, preferring to rent them. Although whether this is by choice or because of the rising price of home ownership is up for debate. George, will you be following this trend and not own your own house before the age of 25? Um, I hope not and that's no, nothing against people that do go and rent properties i just don't i personally don't believe in um renting properties i think it's can be a waste of money and and i have the argument that if you have that amount of money to waste each month you might as well just stay at home for an extra year and save that money so you can go and own your own house and have an asset to your name um i think it is getting progressively harder for younger people to get onto the housing ladder but i do believe the conservative government oh, i'm going to get a conservative um uh, triumph in here. Conservative government have helped young right. people onto the property ladder um, by, uh, by, especially with the help to buy scheme um, and also the shared ownership scheme as well, which I think is very, very good. Um, and I and I do believe that there there are elements of people our age wanting to buy, have their own houses, but. I feel like that that urgency of maybe um, older generations of getting moving out and, and having their own property isn't as um, prevalent as it is with us. What what do you think? Yeah, well, I think you're right. There isn't so much urgency from people. But are you 
seriously suggesting that the the conservatives have have done a a good job in terms of getting young people on the housing ladder because i mean i'm under no illusions about the fact that lib dems were in a government with the conservatives and and i will frankly admit that nowhere near enough was done to try and get young people i mean the 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 price of deposits now is still astounding and the amount of new build property um, going up that young people could never hope to afford unless kind of their mum or dad um, helped support them. I I think it's all symptoms of the fact that it's very unlikely that a lot of young people will own their own house before the age of 25. Like, do you really think the Conservatives have done that great a job on that? I don't think they've done a bad job, and and I that I've, I would never disagree that there is room for improvement. But we've seen more people onto the housing ladder than ever before, um, and we've seen uh, the I mean the share to buy scheme. It, it doesn't. It's not out there deposits at all you can start owning your own house for a, a deposit of, of 1500 pounds um I, I, and i and i think that is quite an affordable deposit um if you're in a full-time job and, and i think yeah the conservatives could do more but i don't believe that there is that much negativity around there should be there have been some very positive policies that have come out of, from the conservative party but do you not think that the problem is that not enough affordable housing is actually being built so yeah if you, you can uh, in very rare cases get the shared housing scheme thing that you you just talked about but not enough people can actually do that because there's not enough stock of houses so every single new um, development that goes on now has to have a certain percentage of a share to buy um, houses on there and affordable houses on there as well now. But, um, but normally and- what happens is developers, um, they get the planning permission with putting that on and then they say, oh, actually, we can't build these with these with these affordable housing on there or the share to buy houses on there. So then they just end up dropping them from from the plan because it's already been approved by councils. So um, in that case, under local plans, like um, our local council, under the local plan, the um, agreement is that the affordable housing and the shared to buy housing has to go up. There is no way that you can get out of that is in a contract and under neighbourhood plans as well, which are happening in terms of where I live in my village um, and contractors have to honour those agreements. And I do agree that there used to be loopholes, but if a council has voted for their own local plan and it is in their local plan terms and conditions, then it will happen. Okay, well, I hope I hope you're right, George. Right then, time to go on to our final song break of this evening. But don't forget to vote on this poll. Do you think you will own your own house before the age of 25? You can do that at wizardradio.co.uk for us listen. And we'll be back very soon. Hello and welcome back. So before the break, we asked, do you think you will own your own house before the age of 25? And you guys have answered very pessimistically. So 12% of you have said, yes, you think you will, compared to 88% of you that say, no, you won't. I mean, is that indicative of, of what I argued, George, in terms of that, you know, not enough is really being done? Uh, well, there you go. I'm, I'm going to say a political answer and say, uh, we've we've done as, as the best we could um, as Conservative parties. But if you vote for me to be the next leader of the uh, Conservative Party and Prime Minister of the country, um, I will make sure to get that up to at least 15%. Yes. <laughs> okay, nice. I'm, I'm glad 15% will be optimistic. 
brilliant work, George. Oh, and by the way, listeners, George did point out I didn't actually answer the question. No, I don't think I'll own my own house before the age of 25 yeah. either. So uh, I'm with you on that man of the people. Yeah, he was too determined having a go at me about the Tories. So. Someone's got to do it. <laughs> <laughs> right then, we've uh, reached the time to end this evening's show. But thanks very much for listening to To Be Discussed with Cuffy Girl. We hope you've enjoyed this episode. As mentioned earlier, for the first segment of next week's show, uh, we'd like to hear your thoughts on the question, if you could introduce one policy tomorrow, what would it be and why? You can do that by sending us an email to station at wizardradio.co.uk or through Twitter, and that's at wizardradio. Remember, the question is, if you could introduce one policy tomorrow, what would it be and why? And we're really looking forward to hearing your opinions next week. But it is now time for Callum and I to be leaving. So as always, I've been the next Tory leader, George Lawrence Cup. Uh, and I've been Callum Gurr. Thanks very much for listening, everyone. <laughs> we'll be back next week for another episode of To Be Discussed. Goodbye, guys. Ciao for now. <laughs>